Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, on, on behalf of our senior pastor, Ruben Reyna, we want to welcome you. And please stay afterwards. Go to the welcome table, introduce yourself, and then stick around and fellowship with us uh, a bit. It's, it's, it's good to, to have you here today. If you tuned in this morning and you're watching us live on stream, we want to welcome you as well. Share the link. Amen. With somebody that just waking up. Somebody this morning needs to hear about Jesus. Amen. Amen. We were there at one time. Come on. We were there. Sometimes we get saved and we, we forget. We act like we never had piojos. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Amen. Me and my family, we just uh, came down from the... Uh, we were up at uh, Arrowhead for a few days. And uh, there's this one part that you're... You're driving, and, uh, you know, as you're climbing the, the mountain, you know, I try to, like, focus on the line. I don't want to look to the right, but there's this one part. It's called Rim of the World, and if you've ever seen it, well, my wife, she happened to glance there, and she tells me, oh, no, Anthony, close your eyes. <laughs> no, 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 don't close your eyes. <laughs> Amen. And I love my grand, little granddaughter. She's two and a half. She was sitting in the car seat. She said, too high. <laughs> too high. But uh, it, it was beautiful up there. We had a, a couple days of rain, and then it would clear up, and it was just beautiful. But it's good to get away and just be part of, of God's uh, beautiful nature. Amen? So this morning, I have the privilege of ministering, uh, and I want to uh, speak on the subject. The title is, is The Fullness of God. The fullness of God. You know, I was watching this one documentary and I was uh, listening to an article that was being read. And what some of these top leaders in, in uh, the Christian uh, church were, were speaking of is the progression of the church, how things are changing within the church. And when you listen to them, if you're not careful, you're listening to people who have the ears of many, but who are not preaching the gospel. They're not giving the full picture, and what they're doing is, is they're, they're watering down the word of God, and they're trying to make it Christ-friendly. They're trying to bring things into the church that are trying to get people to, uh, to, to in order to bring people into the church, let's, let's stop speaking about this and let's not mention that and let's remove crosses, let's, let's make it more church friendly. But in doing so, what happens is, is they rob the people who have a heart after God. And here in Ephesians, Paul's letter, he's mentioning this about my title. Chapter 3, verse 14, and it reads this. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in and on earth derives its name. <laughs> 
I pray that out of this glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faithful prayer, that you being rooted, say rooted, and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to minister your word this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the saints who've gathered here, Lord, those that are watching. Father, I'm praying that today, Lord God, that there are those here, Lord, whose hearts are being prepared for salvation, Father. And Lord God, that you would stir us up within, Lord God, that we may be able to walk upright before you, Lord, in these end times, Father God, with the fullness of you. Lord, I'm mindful of your presence, Lord. I ask that you take full control of this message, Lord God, and this service. Let no flesh glory in your presence, Lord. I give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. The fullness of God. See, Paul, in another letter to Timothy, in his second letter, he uses a phrase that is common to us who understand what's taking place. And he says that they were having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Now the reason he writes this is that those who have a form of godliness are those who make an outward display of Christianity. These were individuals that Paul was writing to Timothy saying, look, there are those who have an outer appearance who want to appear to be holy and upright, but they're not. And then he goes on to say, in, in, to, to stay away from them, turn away from them. And what he's saying is, is that they present themselves as godly, but in all for show. There is no power behind their claim as evidence in the fact that their lives are unchanged and they speak of God, but they live in sin. And they are fine with this arrangement. See, when you and I came to the things of God, our understanding was is one that we came to salvation, we were forgiven of our sins. And some of us, uh, when, when, when we came to Christ, there was an instant transformation, but then there were some of us who struggled a little of letting things go, of, of, of trying to find our footing in the things of God. But in doing so, what happens is that what takes place is that God starts to reveal things to you and I, and we start to make the changes. And in, in doing so, what happens is it becomes evident to those around us, those that love us and those who have mentored us, ministered unto us, is that there's a transformation taking place in, the, in our lives. So you and I have the opportunities to continue to grow. How many here want to continue to grow in the things of God? Amen. 25 of you. Hallelujah. (laughs) They 
revealed clearly to us that those who live undisciplined lives and who do their own thing and set their own standards for life also continue to carry beliefs of a form of godliness. They fool themselves. They fool themselves in the sense that where they're saying, I'm doing what I want to do as long as I have a little bit of God. I could do what I want to do and, and, and continue on in, in, in the walk that I, I've known for so long. Because how many know that before we came to Christ, we were comfortable. We were comfortable in our sin. We were comfortable in our anger. We were comfortable in, in, in the way we acted, the way we presented ourselves. But when we came to Christ, we became what? A new creation. That God transformed us and God is transforming us. And how many know that it's a daily thing? It's a daily thing. It's not one and done. Amen. It would be so simple if it was just one and done. But God continually has to because sometimes we could get to a level, but then we could take a step back. And we could say, you know what, uh, uh, I'm starting to feel this way again. And when I come to those moments in my walk with God, what I realize is, is that I'm disconnected. That I'm, that, I'm, that I'm not doing something that I'm, I'm supposed to do. That, you know what, I'm mature enough that I can, you know, go a, a day or two without prayer. I'm mature enough that I don't have to get into my word daily. But how many know that we need God every day? Amen. We need God every moment. Amen. You, you, could, you could live without food for 30 days. You could live without water for, for uh, what, three days? But man, I don't want to live without Jesus for three seconds. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Amen. Every time I think, man, I've, I've arrived at a certain level in my walk with God, God shows me you're not there. You're not there. You still need to do these things. Uh, and when I get to that point, what I realize is, is that I got to go back to the basics. It's the basics. Amen. Amen. I tell this to, to people who, who are having a little bump in the road in their marriage. Do what made her fall, you, fall in love with you in the first place. The simple things. The simple things, the thank yous, the I'm sorry's, amen. The hardest words to say, I'm sorry, thank you. Those two-letter words, thank you, I'm sorry. And then you know what? You start to respect, amen. Sometimes you, you get the, that argument and then you walk away and God tells you, you're a fool. Amen. You're a fool. Why do you have, you know, because sometimes we feel us, man, we have to have the last word. You could have the last word and still sleep on the couch, Amen. I'm right. I know I'm right. Yeah, you're right. Freezing on the couch. But I know I'm right. Show her, God, I'm right. <laughs> Godliness has to do with the way one lives. It impacts and changes our lives. The word godliness implies it has to do with holiness to living a godly life. Yet we see in the scriptures as we read that people will fall into a habit of living ungodly lives. Yet at the same time continue to hold the form of godliness. They have a form of godliness but deny the power. Amen. Deny the power. It allows them to do what they want to do to set their own standards and yet proclaim that it is acceptable. You hear individuals say, 
what's wrong with drinking? When they tell me what's wrong with drinking, I ask them what's right with it. We can look through scriptures and try to justify the things of why we do what we do. But when the Holy Spirit is inside of you and the Holy Spirit is convicting you to not do the things that he's telling you not to do, that is when you understand that God is trying to purify you, that God is trying to perfect you, that God is trying to remove something out of your life to give you something better. To give you something better. See, God is always up to something good. God will never take something away from you and not replace it with something better. God is always in the, in the motion of trying to do things to bring us to a place where we could stand on our own. As a parent, you and I know as our children are starting to grow and they're starting to develop, you start to allow them to make those little mistakes. I mean, if it was up to us, some of the children you see today, man, they're bubble wrapped in everything they do. Amen. I when I was a kid and you learned how to learn how to swim, you know what they did? Exactly, you know, right? They stripped you down to your chonies and threw you in the pool. And you dog paddled all the way back, came out like a wet chihuahua. They threw you back. Now, you got floaties, life jackets, swimming lessons, those little things that hold your nose. You know what you did? You, you used your fingers, Amen. You swallowed, how many here swallowed seawater? Amen. <laughs> and look, you're, you're, nowadays it's just like, man, there's so much, just so much trying to protect. But see, God is, man, you know what? He allows us to come into these situations that we're going to learn and we're going to develop. Amen. How many are all in for learning and developing in the things of God? Hallelujah. 26. Glory to God. We're getting there. We're getting there, people. <laughs> and Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, he's writing them as an overseer on how to experience the fullness of God. See, at some point or another, Christians will experience moments of dryness. How many have been there? Feel a little offbeat, feeling a little distant, feeling a little like you're not connecting. You're feeling a little like your prayer is not going beyond the ceiling that you look, God, I, I don't feel it. How many thank God that we don't go by our feelings? Amen. Because some of us this morning didn't want to show up to church because we didn't feel like it. But thank God we came to church and God just said, quickened you. And God said, you know what? I have something for you. I have a message for you. Get into the worship. Lift up your hands. As if we begin to do so, God starts to show up. God starts to touch us. God starts to reveal to us how good he is and how good he's been to you and I. And the reason Paul addresses this to the church is through prayer was because he knew it was crucial, crucial for Christians to be filled to their full measure of God. See, Christians who, who do not experience the fullness of God sputter around. They're on a roller coaster, they're, they're, they're feeling good one day, and then they're, they bottom out, and they're, they're feeling good, and everything's good, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, man, I'm feeling good and excited, I, I want to do everything, and then boom, the next day, you don't feel like doing nothing. Amen. 
The next day you don't feel like praying. The next day you don't even feel like opening your word. You just feel so dry and desolate because he knew that this would take place in a Christian's life. So he says to be filled with the measure of God because we risk being deceived into living a powerless life. How many want the power of God? I, I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has to offer me. I want everything, every promise that God promises to his people, I, I want to experience that. I want to experience the fullness of God. I don't want to come into, into, into my walk with God with, you know what, I, I, to, to accept what is the minimal. I want the fullness, amen. When they say, you ever go to a restaurant and you see somebody serving? And you wonder, what did they do to get that big burrito? And mine looks like it's on, uh, it's on crack over here. <laughs> you want the fullness. You want everything. You want everything. So we come into the, the, the things of God. We're hungry for God. Yes. God, I want everything. God, I want to experience everything. I want to I touch heaven. I, wanna, I want all these things. And when we come to that conclusion, we won't accept less. We won't accept less. You, you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to go into prayer not expecting God. When I show up through those doors, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear something from you. I want to touch heaven, even if that message is about something totally, but I want to get something out of it. You know, it's oftentimes that I'm sitting there listening to the message that God gives me a title for my next message. See, some of you here this morning, you're here because somebody brought you. Or you're here out of obligation. There's something that I need to check off my list for the week. If I start off church on good, maybe God will bless my Monday through Friday and through Saturday. If you're here for those reasons, you'll leave disappointed. But if you came into the house of God today and you said, man, God, I want everything that you have to offer. I want you to, sh I want you to show me. I want you to reveal to me your heart. I want you to touch me. I want you to give me a revelation of what's going to take place. Sometimes God will give it to you in fullness, and sometimes God will give it to you in pieces. I've experienced that over the last many years that I've been walking with Christ, is that sometimes God doesn't give you the full picture. He doesn't give you the full picture. Why? Because it will blow your mind. Some of you here are sitting in your right mind, never thought that that would be you. Never thought that you would be sitting here holding a Bible, highlighting the word of God. Never understanding how many here, like myself, used to read the Bible but didn't understand it. Man, I would try to read it sometimes. You ever get around friends? Hey, bust out the Bible, homie. And go to Revelations. Like, nobody wants to go to Revelations. Nobody wants to know about that. Nobody wants to, to see what's going to take place. And then you read it, but you don't understand it. Some of you still have the Bible that you stole from the Hotel Six. Come on. I've seen it. And you're brave enough to walk around with it. Hallelujah. But as you get connected to God... The scriptures start to come to life to you. They start to mean something. They start to get into your soul, get into your heart, and you start to grasp and get a hold of it, and it starts to transform you. See, the more word of God that we put inside of us, it starts to remove the ugliness. The ugliness. I mean, I know sometimes 
we look and we come to, because when I first came to the Christ, I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm bad, but I ain't that bad. Like they, you know, I was the worst sinner because I didn't think I needed to be changed. I didn't need a new heart. I didn't need salvation. I just figured, you know what, I do good. I'm an honest person. I'm this, I'm that, and all that. And God told me, your sins are as filthy rags in my sight. Your heart is blackened. Because even though I didn't say it, I would kill you with my thoughts. I'd kill you with my tongue. And God says, no, I need to take all that out of you, all that, and you put a new heart inside of you and give you new words. Because how many know that our words have life or death? And so you know what? God gives you the word of God that you're able to speak and bring life to people and encourage people. And no longer do you look down on people, but if you look down on somebody, it's to pick them up. It's to say, you know what? Come on, get up. Get up. Get up. Dust yourself off. Yes, you failed. We all do. The word of God is filled with men and women who failed many, many times, but God is a God of restoration. God is a God of healing. God is a God of loving God where he says, you know what, son, daughter, I love you with an everlasting love and my peace is inside of you. Get up. Sometimes you need to encourage yourself. Sometimes you just need to talk to yourself and tell yourself, stop saying stupid negative things. Stop speaking death over yourself. Speak life. Speak life. The word of God is life. It's true. It's going to cut into your heart and reveal to you who you are. See, sometimes we, we all we want to read the Proverbs, the nice things. Sometimes you need to get into the word of God and sometimes something hits you. And you're like, okay, now we'll get back to that one later on. God's word is swift and quick. It's heavy, but it's also healing and lifting. So the first thing I want to bring out is that we're going to need God's strength. Say God's strength. How many know that our strength will only take us so far? We're limited. God is unlimited. God's strength is needed. Verse 16, it says, I pray that out of this glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The inner being, the inner man is where God begins to do the work. His work work starts with salvation, and after that, his main field of work is the inner man. Salvation, and then the work on the heart. Teaching us forgiveness. See, forgiveness is not about who's right, who's wrong. Forgiveness is about healing in yourself. Sometimes the people that we need to forgive don't even know why we hold things against them. Why, how they hurt us. They've long forgotten, but you held on to it. And sometimes when you're in that moment where God is trying to bring you to, through a breakthrough, the enemy will remind you, of what, that, what took place. And how many know that it will throw you off your thought process? And then you start to dwell on it and you start to fester it, bring it back up again. And what you think you cut out, the root starts to sprout. And you start to feel that again. And you start to think about it. God is looking for you and I to say, you know what, God, remove this. 
Lord, help me to forgive like you forgave. I met this individual. He was a patient, and I, I, I appalled him. I didn't like him. Everyone knew I didn't like him. Didn't. He was, he was, he was a bad man in so many ways. And I didn't see him for years. Good riddance. Then he showed back up. Differences now, I'm a born-again believer. And the people knew, the staff knew how I felt years back. And I remember as he sat there, he was in the worst state that I could ever imagine. And I remember I saw him and I sat at my desk before I called him to bring him back into the exam room. And I said, God, let me see him how you see him. And I remember I took him back in the room and he sat there and he started to share with me how he had now advanced throat cancer and how he was homeless and how he had just fallen on, on, on rock bottom and, and everything was so going so wrong for him. And I remember I sat there and I just, I, I could feel the love of God towards this individual. I could feel it. I felt like warm water being poured over my head and it was just, just I, I could feel it and I just remember asking him if he wanted to accept Christ into his heart. God touched him. God saved him. The following week, they found him in his car dead. I said, God, you are a loving God, a forgiving God. And the worst that you could imagine of an individual, the worst, but your son died for him. And you loved him that you brought him before me and you gave him salvation. Man, I remember that, that day. This was years back when I first came to Christ. And I just said, you know what, God? You showed me how much you love the sinner, how much you go through great lengths to bring someone to salvation. It's never up to you and I who's worthy of salvation. Sometimes we don't want to present the gospel to somebody because we don't like the lifestyle that they have. It's never up to us to determine who's worthy of it because God loves us all. God doesn't look at the several, oh, that's a level three sinner, that's a level five sinner. You're like, I'm not that bad. I just steal my neighbor's paper, that's it. Amen. We're all sinners in the eyes of God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all come short. We've all missed the mark. And God is calling you and I to bring those back. God has touched some of us to minister to somebody that you avoid. For whatever reason, whatever reason you brought into your mind that why you don't do what God has asked you to do, God is saying today, Put those feelings aside and present the gospel because we never know when a person's last breath will be on earth. You and I never know that. And God help us if they slip into eternity and we don't give them the opportunity to come to Christ. Speak the truth. We need to get behind these pulpits and on the streets and in the workplace, in the schoolyard, in the job uh, lunchroom. We need to start speaking truth and most of all, living the truth. 
Let them see the gospel in you. Even if you don't speak a word, let them see God in you. Let them see Christ in you. Let them see the love that you show. Let them see the concern. Let them see your courtesy. Let them see your kindness. The fruit of the Spirit. That is how they will know that you are his disciple. For your love for one another. See, gone are the days where the church needs to come in and we have division. We need to come in united and stand and say, you know what, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing here in La Mirada. I want to join forces with my pastor and say, you know what, God, we're going to use, use us to bring the kingdom of God to where it needs to be. I'm going to join in prayer. Even if you do not know how to pray, even if you don't know and say, you know what, I'm not there yet. Get there. Get there. Take your five minutes turns into 10 minutes. Your 10 minutes turns into 20 minutes. Your 20 minutes turns into an hour. And before you know, you tapped into the kingdom of God and you tapped into the throne. And God starts to bring people to you. God starts to reveal things to you, things to pray for. And where you say, you know, you feel that you're a part of the family of God, that I'm doing what you have called me to do, God. So we need God's strength. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but through our, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Every day I wake up feeling, man, God, that didn't hurt yesterday. This, man, this outer man is decaying every day. But the inner man has to be strengthened. The inner man, you know what? I might not feel like walking sometimes that my knees bothering me, my ankles bothering me. But you know what? The spirit man is alive. The spirit man is, is, is thriving. The spirit man is excited for what God is going to do in this church. Amen. And we need to get to that point where you say, you know, God, I can't do all these things. How many know we can have 101 excuses on why we don't do what we're supposed to do? Oh, I don't speak well. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I don't like people that much. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not that person. I'm shy. I'm all these things. But how many know that when you were in the world, you weren't shy? Right? Oh, don't make me call you out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. You, you, man, you, you, you to the fullest. You were there, boy. You were the loudest. You were, the, man, you danced when no music was playing, amen. And, and, you know, here we come into the God. We're a little reserved. We're a little quiet. Our hands are right here, you know. You know, we don't want to, like, fully, you know, you, you, you suck back the tears in your eye, and you don't want to be fully engaged into the things that's happening around us. But when God gets a hold of your heart, man, you want to be part of it all. Man, God, I, you know what? Let the tears flow, God, man. The, the eyelashes over here. And, man, you're just, God, just, you touch me, God. You touch me. I, I love to see when God is transforming an individual. You see how they come in broken, hurting, angry, frustrated. And then you see when God turns that switch on. And before you know it, man, they're praising God. They're lifting their hands up, man. They're weeping at the altar. God is transforming them. And they're becoming men and women of God. Men and women of God. I don't care what the judge said you are, what the DA said you are, what your probation officer said who you are. God has called you to be a child of the most high God. 
Most high God. To be strengthened. See, one person said this. He said, David didn't need to know Goliath's strength because he already knew God's. You don't need to know what the enemy has in his armor chest because you have the strength of God. I don't care how big and bad the enemy tries to portray himself to you. You serve a big God. You serve a mighty God. Don't let the, you know, this day and age, everybody pays good money to get scared. I don't know what it is. You go, I mean, you drop down big money to go. So when you know you turn the corner, you know a goblin's going to, and you still get scared. Knowing. And you know, the enemy a lot of times likes to portray himself as this big, angry, vicious, horned, sharp teeth. And Christians should not be intimidated by the enemy because you serve a greater God. A greater God. And when you have the fullness of God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That you could stand and say, you know what, devil, I'm not going to be intimidated by your foul words, by your, all your nonsense that you try to spit out. I don't care what they're saying about me. I don't care what they posted about me. I am a child of God, and I'm going to come to the house of God, and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do the best to my ability, God, to stand straight and walk upright before your your presence. We don't care what the world says. We say, God, you have my back, and that's all I need. I'm going to go in full force and knowing that you are with me, and if you're with me, nobody could come against me. Nobody. We need to get this embedded into our hearts and into our mind. See, every season that God takes you through will require a new strength. The trials that you went through when you first came to Christ are going to be different from where you are in your walk. Whether it's six months, six years, God is taking you and trying to bring you out of that. If you're still struggling with the things you did when you first came to Christ, you're not progressing, you're not growing. That's where you need to say, God, whatever it is that's holding me back, Lord God, remove it, reveal it and remove it. Reveal it and remove it. David, we need to be like David. What David said in Psalms 46.1, where could I go but to the Lord when I am in trouble and need help? Where can I go? Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, John 6, 68. See, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he says, therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Doesn't make sense. At your weakest, God is making you stronger. Sometimes you have to repeat that to yourself a few times to let it set in. Because the world's concept is, is that you're weakest, you're worthless. But God says, you're not worthless because I'm the strength that you need. I am inside of you. I go where you go. I go before you. You don't go alone into this fight. 
We don't fight on our own. We have God in our corner. We have God encouraging us, in pushing us, lifting us up. See, when we are at the lowest point, when we're feeling defeated, insignificant, overwhelmed, worthless, or that God has overlooked our situation, church, that is when he is the closest. He is right beside you. You know, sometimes you go through a little pity. How many here has ever had a pity party? Amen. And you didn't invite nobody. It's just you, party of one. Nobody loves you. Nobody talks to you. Huh? You know, you didn't get invited to, to, the, to the party or, you know what, I'm just going to go back to, you know, lick it. Don't let none of those things sway you. They'll talk about you. Let them. Let them. You know, I used to worry about what people thought about me. I don't care. Don't care. Like me, don't like me. You know, when's he going to cut his darn hair, you know? All the... I love God. I love God. I love God. I love God. I love this church. I love the people in this church. I love the unsaved. I, I, I really love to see people grow. I love to see people make it and turn the corner. Someone who's hurting and they get back up. Get back up. Hallelujah. Get back up. Paul, in Ephesians, he says that God's strength would meet the inner being of the church so that Christ may dwell in their hearts. The Christian experience is a matter of applying God's power to everyday life. If you just hear it and never apply it, you've never learned it. You never learned it. See, we're going to have those moments, man. We just are. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. You come to Christ, it's beautiful. Most, the, the best decision you've ever made. But you will have those moments where you will wonder, like, what took place? Where are you, God? Why this? I've seen some beautiful people beautiful people get called home and I just have to say God it was your will I prayed and prayed and prayed but God's will will always prevail always prevail so this morning we're going to have communion as they're passing out the elements and the worship team makes its way up to the platform Let us remember what God has done. Let us remember how good God is and how good he's been to us. Some of you yet to experience your first real big trial. But I want to prepare you. 
though it might be tough, God is with you. God is with you. He is right there by your side. One person said this, in God we find purpose for the pain, strength for the struggle, and faith for the fight. I want us all to stand here this morning.